Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 32. Welcome to RestaurantUnstoppable.com. Listen to successful restaurant professionals as they discuss the tools, tactics, and services they use to better lead, manage, and market their restaurants. Join our community and make your restaurant dreams unstoppable. Here's your host, Eric Cacciatore. Yo, what's going on, all you unstoppable restaurant professionals? It's your host, Eric Catch Tory, and this is the podcast for personal growth in the restaurant industry. And we do that by listening to the best, getting motivated and inspired by them, and tapping into the minds of some of the greatest authorities in their respected niches or niches or niches or whatever the Christ you want to call it. That's what we do here. It's a lot of fun. I'm learning a lot, and I hope you are too. We have a great show today. I can't wait to hit play. But before I do, just a quick reminder that you can find me at www.restaurantunstoppable.com where we link to all the cool products and services and books and uh, kind of recap the episodes. Um, So it's a a great way to not have to write down everything we say. You can just uh, make mental note of the episode number today is episode 32 so just go to the website and then look for episode 32 and everything we talk about is right there for you to follow up on uh don't forget to please connect with me on facebook linkedin google plus twitter i'm out there and i can't wait to connect with you uh fair warning today we had our first crying on the show and it was just so passionate and so sentimental I almost cried myself, so if you are somebody who's quick to tears, here's your warning. Go get your tissues. You might need them. All right, enjoy today's show. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Jennifer Sism. How are you doing, Jennifer? I'm well, thank you. Thanks for calling. Oh, no problem. Thank you for for being on the show. I can't wait to learn from you. Uh, Are you ready to help make some restaurant dreams unstoppable? Sure. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure you're going to drop some great bombs of knowledge on us. So I'm just going to give a brief introduction and then pass it over to you. For 10 years, Jennifer was the general manager and wine director at the very successful Anissa restaurant in West Village, New York. It has been said that she was a fixture of the restaurant's dining room with her designer dresses and towering heels. After hanging up her high heels at Anissa... She started Cape House Catering, where she catered to off-premise events for three years. Today, the entrepreneurial spirit still seems to be burning bright with her latest venture, Good To Go. Good To Go is the first all-natural, dehydrated gourmet line of packaged meals. I've just given a brief introduction, but do you care to elaborate and uh, talk to us about how you got into the industry and what's, what's your backstory? Sure. I um, I went to college and my major was interior design and I left. Um, I grew up in Ohio. I moved to New York City because that's where all the good architects were. And I went and worked for an architect for four years. And in 1990, the economy was kind of tanking and I could see that they were starting to lay people off. And so my um, 
my instinct was to try and figure out a way out. I knew I liked design, but it was not a passion of mine. And what I really loved to do was cook. And I had been cooking since I was a little kid. So at that time, I just started looking around at culinary schools. There was one um, called the French Culinary Institute. It was about, I don't know, five blocks from my apartment. I applied to the school telling them, um, you know, if I got laid off, I could get unemployment, I could start their program, and they were like, oh, you seem like you've got a good head on your shoulders, you you probably won't get laid off, and I'm like, oh, no, 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 everyone's getting laid off, it's like, it's just a matter of time, so I ended up getting laid off, and very happily, my boss was like, could you act a little sad, and I was like, oh, yeah, <laughs> and I, uh, <laughs> I wasn't sad at all, and, and I started um, school the next week. And I loved it. And it was a six-month program. So I already had my bachelor's, so I didn't, you know, need to go back. Like, there was um, the CIA, but, you know, after two more years, I would have been in school for six years. It seemed a little excessive. So this was a great program. I did that. um, And then I just, you know, I was already in this city with the most amazing restaurant. So I just kind of took it from there. And, and, you know, I started at um, uh, my first restaurant. I worked at the school. Then I worked with um, Anita Lowe, who was my business partner at Anissa. Um, she hired me as a grill cook at a restaurant called Can, C-A-N, like tin can. Okay. <laughs> but it was a French, uh, French-Vietnamese restaurant. Oh. And from there, she got me a job at Boulay, um, which at the time, which was 1992, it was the best restaurant in the city. And... I loved it. I was a line cook there. I was a fish cook um, for a year, and I learned so much about food and taking care. And, uh, you know, it was really it was an amazing experience. So, awesome. uh, you know, then it just continued. <laughs> Great. Well, I mean, it's just it's so awesome to get um ladies on the show because it seems like i get a lot of gentlemen on the show but it's great to have ladies and not to mention you're a gm and it sounds like you were a chef too so you really touched on all aspects of the restaurant industry which is really cool so i'm excited to to find out what you have to share with us today um and i love that you were a designer and then you came into the restaurant industry from there it seems like all the time um i always say like this industry doesn't or, or you don't pick this industry it picks you uh people just seem to come into this industry from all walks of life so it was a kind of cool to find that out about you um so i guess the first question i have for you is um what is your success or leadership quote or mantra i i to this day kind of live by this mantra it's not um it's probably not the danny meyer like um fuzzy warm mantra it's put your head down and get it done um (laughs) they're long days they're just long days you know a, a restaurant day for me was always a 10, 12, 14 hour day. And so it's just like, get in there, start, you know, have your cup of coffee and then just go. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, sometimes you get a break here and there, but for the most part, you don't. And, you know, I have to remind myself to this day when I I like now I'm doing a a whole different thing that, oh, people sit down for lunch for a half hour (laughs) or even an hour, which is crazy. I have to remember to like, oh, yeah, we should sit didn't we <laughs> yeah, it just but, seems um, like you have this like this really happy positive energy about you and the truth of the matter is like in this industry you can either be unhappy or happy and you have to just choose to be happy and like you said put your head down and just get through the day and um 
work hard and know that your hard work is going to be appreciated by hundreds, if not thousands of people. And uh, that's what will keep you going. And it seems like you, well, that's just a, a really cool quality. Yeah, I don't mean it in a, in a negative way. Like, I, I know that, you know, when it came to if I was dressed up in some product dress and the toilet backed up and the dishwasher was slammed, <laughs> I'd still fix it. Like, you know, it's a matter of, like, just get it done. Like, all hands on deck. Um, there's, you know, I my leadership was always by example. I know some people like mm-hmm. to – there's all different styles, but mine was, like – I can do it. You can do it too. Mm-hmm. That's awesome, and that's a that's a really uh, reoccurring uh, point of advice. A lot of my guests have saying is you have to lead by example, and you just have to set that tone and show people the way. You have to to do what you expect from others, and that's the only way you can get that um, that uh, that kind of work from others is showing them first how you want it done. So that's great right. advice. Um, so the next question I have for you, Jennifer, is uh, what is your it factor? What personal characteristics do you have that contribute to your success in this industry? Um, well, you kind of tagged it right there. I mean, I am pretty upbeat. You know, when things – it really – it took a lot for me to be like, whoa. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like, you know, for the most – like, this is too much. For the most part, it's like, it's okay. It's okay. I mean – Power goes out, you know, it, like nine eleven. You name it. I'm like, it's okay. Well, like we can get. It. It's okay. We can do this. Um, and so I think that that was um, how I led. And I think people, I, you know, my staff stayed. I, I was really blessed with having people that would start and and stay for years. And I think it's just because. They knew coming into work, it wasn't a drama show. It wasn't a Jen show. It was like, hey, how are you? You know, mm-hmm. how's the weekend? Let's get let's get started. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. And it's really so important. Um, like you said, you're, do you want to tell us the time about uh, the 9-11 and when the power went out and kind of take us to that moment of what happened and how you kept your cool? Well, I know that at the time I was um, living with my partner, Anita, and the phone rang and it was, um, this is the morning of 9-11, and it was our sous chef, um, and he, uh, Davey, and he called up, and he was he was quite upset. He's like, you know, oh, my God, we're going to war. One of the World Trade Centers fell down, and we were, you know, this was like 8 o'clock in the morning. We're like, what? We ran up to the roof and saw, in fact, that, you know, one was gone, and, and the other one was on fire, and we were like, holy crap, and then... Um, the, after the second one fell, I mean, I, you know, I was watching on TV and I'm like, where are the people, the people, you know, what happened to the people? Um, and so we, we ended up, a friend of mine was looking for his brother and came over and then we all went over to the restaurant and for, you know, we, we sent Davey home. Um, but basically, uh, we opened up the next day and not because we wanted to make money, but we people just need to get out of the house and talk mm-hmm. and, and like, you know, digest what just happened. And so, you know, we, we were just there and I've, you know, I, I, to this day, I never saw so many martinis go down. Oh my <laughs> I was God. like, I mean, wow, people are moving on to the hard stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you for sharing that story. I mean, and I can't, I just wanted to hear it because I can't think of a more, intense dramatic moment in our i mean i'm sure we can all remember where we were on the day of 9 11 and what we were doing and 
the fact that it, I mean to, to have that quality of a leader to just keep going and to show everyone well this is happening there's nothing we can do about it it's it's horrible but you have to march on you have to continue going and to set that pace and to be that leader is truly incredible um, so I mean that is an incredible uh, factor of you that I'm sure you possess and is a real real true factor of most entrepreneurs and restaurateurs to be the leader to continue to lead on when the craziest things happen. Um, and the fact that you're so upbeat and contagious, I'm sure, uh, that's contagious, you know, like Either that or they think I'm crazy. I'm not really sure. Yeah, but you know, when you come to work and I can hear it in your laughter now and you're smiling, you affect other people, uh, when you're, when you're like that. So that's a huge, very huge benefit to, you know, quality to have. And I'm sure we can all learn from that. So thank you for sharing the story. Uh, oh, you're yeah, the next question I have for you is uh, your favorite restaurant experience. Uh, in this industry, we have so many cool experiences, whether it be with staff or guests, um, that kind of just remind us what it is about this industry that we love so much. Uh, can you sh- share with us one time, take us to the moment where you had this amazing experience that kind of reset you and it reminded you of what it's all about? Um, you know, I'm going to actually tell an experience that um, probably – is not it what it, it was an after experience so you know i i left anita i sold my my half of it to anita four years ago and so right now i'm sort of bathing in the afterglow of my restaurant was awesome i love it i love it um and i do miss it and um my you know i had so many experiences there and um i can't really like peg one is being, I mean, I, you know, when I was just saying about like nine yeah. eleven, when the when we had the power grid go out, um, uh, many of our cooks were lived in Brooklyn and they couldn't get in because there was no subways, and so Anita's like, um, well, it looks like, it looks like, it's you and I, <laughs> it was just <laughs> us, and I had one guy that could come in and and like be the front, and I had a couple servers, I had one server, I had a slash host bartender and then Anita and I and um I told her I said I you know everything was pretty much prepped and I said what you need to do is I'll just draw pictures of all the <laughs> all the dishes so she did the hotline and I did the cold line and hot app and dessert um and we we ended up doing about like 40 covers that day wow. just the two of us um but it was kind of fun and it kind of reminded me of like yeah I mean I know I've been now at that point, I'd been the wine director and doing all that, but it was like I know how to do this. I love <laughs> I love wine cooking. Um, so I mean that 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 was one thing. But I have to say, since I've moved up here, um, in I think it was February this year, Anissa was reviewed by the New York Times again. I think this is their third review, mm-hmm. and this time they got three stars. And I have to say, um, at that point, I was in tears because oh, I was man. so happy for them. <laughs> Uh, it's awesome. I can hear you getting emotional now. It's just that that passion is coming out, and uh, yeah, it's just so great to, that you have that. You know, happy. You're still connected to the. I mean, this is a huge part of our life when we get into it, and it's just so uh, you can tell that you know, you're still there. And I'm sure that they uh, they're you help them get there. So don't think that you weren't a part of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it's it's just nice. And Anita and I are still very close friends, and she actually is helping me out start my new business. So, awesome. um, you know, it's it's. It's still all good. <laughs> Great. Well, if I'm ever down there, I'm going to have to check out Anissa in New York. I don't make it to New York often, but you're you're selling yeah, me on it right now. <laughs> definitely give me a call. It's yeah. tiny. <laughs> oh, I love those kinds of places. 
And uh, I'm just going to jump back to a point I wanted to make earlier when you talk, talked about the 9-11. But one thing that really stood out to me is you, were, you said people have to get out and they have to talk. And they have to be with each other. And that's really what a restaurant is. It's a place for people in the community to meet and to be with each other. Um, and I feel like we've gotten away from that in the past few years. And you're starting to see it, you're starting to see it come back with people uh, focusing on sustainability and uh, supporting their local communities by sourcing from local ver- purveyors. And that sense of community, uh, I think, is really starting to grow again. And that's really great. And uh, I just wanted to point that out, too. So cool stuff Thank you. there. You're yeah. welcome. Um, all right, the next question I have for you is uh, going to touch on a little bit about I'm a huge fan of Danny Myers and Setting the Table, and he talks about enlightened hospitality. And for those of you who are not familiar with enlightened hospitality, it's basically the concept of priorita- prioritizing who you're hospitable to, starting first with your, your um, inner guests, your employees, then your guests, uh, then your community, moving on to your suppliers and your investors. Um, and it's that everyone always talks about you need to be, you know, you need to have good food and good service, but people forget about that genuine warmth of hospitality and giving mm-hmm. and caring. So, can you share with us a time one of you, your staff members, or either yourself, had displayed an act of enlightened hospitality and take us down to that moment? Um, I think I'm gonna not to just keep focusing on me, but I, you know, I'm thinking of um, my staff. I could say that, you know, that's why I had them there because they. They were just innately warm and sensitive people. Um, but for me, I think, like, when I knew, because I had been in the back, you know, I've been cooking for years, and I, and I went to a restaurant um, called Chanterelle, um, which is a four-star restaurant. It was right around the corner from Boulay, and I started there in 99. I was there on a fact-finding mission. They knew um, when I they hired me as uh, basically an over- uh, like an overrated co-check, that I was there to learn how to do the front of the house. Um, and so I, I, I worked the door and I did reservations and, and um, worked with the bookkeepers a little bit to figure out how to do bookkeeping systems. And at one point, it was um, it was a, a really rainy night. I was working up at the door with this other woman, Anita, and um it was pouring and this older couple was coming up from, you know, one of the tables and I knew that they would want a cab. And I looked at Anita and I was like, listen, that I'm going to, is it okay? I'm going to grab one of these umbrellas and run down to um, Hudson and just try and snag a cab because I don't want them to have to get um, wet and, and wait for a cab. And she's like, yeah, sure. No problem. So I ran down the street and got the cab. And, you know, it's it, it, rain rain in New York and getting a cab is kind of tricky. So I ended up getting him a cab and, you know, I got a little stoked, but, you know, they, they were very appreciative, got in and drove away. And, and I remember Anita just looked at me and she goes, you're going to be fine at this. She goes, <laughs> it's, she's like, it's, it's innate. And, yeah. and, and that's how I feel. Like you, you can't really, either it's part of your personality. You can't really teach it. You can, you can ask it of people, but if it's not innate in someone to put other people first, um, it, it's it's always going to be a little bit of a stretch. <laughs> Jennifer, the, you, I think this is probably the best example of the question I've gotten since I've been asking this question, and you hit it so out of the park. Um, and this is exactly why I asked the question is because we need to have examples of people going above and beyond what's expected of them. And that's what I'm trying to do with this question is to get those examples and to hear the stories of what it takes. And it's you, I mean, what I took away from this is you have to 
instinctually hire those uh, emotionally intelligent people who are warm and sensitive, um, who are willing just to do those little things, like go... It's, it's really not a little thing. It's huge because that's what people talk about and that's what brings people back is when you just are willing to do those little extra things to make sure that they're comfortable and that they're happy and that you are tentative to their needs. And I, I think you just answered this question so well. So thank you so much. Are you welcome? Uh, no, you really did knock it out of the park. So uh, hopefully if you're listening <laughs> to this and you're a future guest, that's what I'm looking for. <laughs> uh, so great. Uh, the next question I have for you. What was one of your biggest restaurant challenges, and how did you overcome it? I think my biggest challenge was um, in 2009, um, my restaurant burned down. Mm. Um, I was I was up in Maine for the holiday weekend, July 4th weekend, and I got a phone call from uh, one of my neighbors across the street from the restaurant. And uh, I did. Uh, it was three in the morning, and my husband said, uh, "You know, Jen, you missed like 13 phone calls." And I'm like, "What?" And I looked at my phone, and I realized, wow, something's going down. I listened to the messages, and it was um, my friend, and she's like, hey, Judd, there's a fire at your restaurant. It's it's bad. It's it's really bad. And um, I finally got a hold of her, and I talked to the people, the firemen, and it was a complete utter loss. Like, the whole restaurant closed down for nine months, and at one point, um, you know, I got back there. I My husband poured me into the car with a bunch of tools, and we drove down, and and I remember uh, walking um, to the front door, and he had to use his stalls off to cut it open because it had been boarded shut. And I walked in, and I left literally, you know, 12 hours before that. And I walked in, and it was destroyed. And I walked around, and I lifted stuff, and the only thing I could say, and I probably said it like 20 times, was, wow, wow, wow. And I and here you know, I felt like a niece was my baby and like it, it was destroyed. So, you know, as I did say like, we're going to get this going. We're going to, but with insurance and everything, it's just like, wow. Uh, one thing I should tell people, um, if you think your insurance is good, it's not, it's never good enough. Make sure you update it yearly. If you build your restaurant for $500,000, two years later, it's going to cost you $700,000 to rebuild it. So you never, never insure for just the set value. Um, and I learned that the hard way. But um, nine months later, we did get it back up and running. And um, that's when I had decided, uh, you know, that I would leave. And Anita bought me out. And I I helped her get it started, restaffing and everything. But um, so what, and I'm happy that I stayed what to was get it, it open again. What was it? Like, tell me some of the, um, and first of all, I mean, that is such a touching story. I can only imagine um, you work so hard to build something up, and then overnight it just gets wiped out. And I I can only imagine, but, I mean, you just already gave us so much advice. Just, if anything, you take away from this. Make sure that you aren't too careful with your insurance. Always prepare for the worst because the unexpected can happen, and it can happen at any time. So you have to be ready for it. But how did you overcome the challenge? Like, what? how did you dig deep, and what was it that, you know, what, I don't know, what mentality do you have to overcome that challenge? I think to overcome it, um, I really saw the staff. The staff, we, you know, we all, they all came in together, and I, and I was like, you know, we're going to get this up and running. And then we had, a, that was like the, you know, three days later. And, of course, in my naivete, I thought we would, it would take a couple months. Um, it did not. It took mm-hmm. nine months. So at that point, um, I think I, I overcame it 
because of the strength of my staff and and their willingness to take jobs other places um, to pay the bills. I mean, we had some insurance to pay um, loss of uh, business income, but not enough to pay for everybody. Mm-hmm. So we ended up um, getting jobs for other people and, you know, and always staying in touch and keeping them, um, you know, with like, here's the progress, blah, blah, blah. And so I think it really was my staff's willingness to be put out for nine months at weird jobs um, to to come back and um, get us back open and, and running again. And I, I, you know, I can't appreciate their effort more than, they, I mean, they were amazing. So, you know. And, uh, I mean, it just kind of reminds me that the saying, you're only as good as the people you surround yourself with. And that just goes to show. And um, you give us another, just with this story, another example of enlightened hospitality. It's you have to take care of your people, your inner guests, your employees, uh, because they're the ones that are going to take care of you when you need them when, during times like when your restaurant burns down. Um, and the fact that you were willing to help them all and help them find new jobs and to take care of them just goes to show what kind of people you are. Over at, um, I think I'm going to say it wrong, Anissa. No, I got it right. I, I talk, yeah, yeah, yeah. I talk to so many different <laughs> restaurants every day. It's hard to keep track of you guys. But um, yeah, it's you know, it's, it just goes to show we can we can learn so much from you. And um, I'm happy that I've had you on the show because we're only halfway through, and I feel like I've just learned so much. So, are you ready to drop some bombs of knowledge? <laughs> sure. Awesome. I'm sure they're going to explode. So. Uh, the first bomb I'd like you to drop on us is on the topic of uh, employee retention. Employee retention is one of the most difficult struggles in the industry. So what is one piece of advice that you have to first uh, find these employees and then keep them as viable staff members? I think um, first is just to be um, an honest and responsible employer to when you're in the um, interview process to be very direct about what their position is going to be. Don't over glamorize it so that you get the staff you want. Um, your your staff will appreciate you much more if you tell them the truth of like, I can't give you insurance right now. I'm hoping to do this. You can always say hopes or I, I can't do this now, but in the future we want to do something else. Um, and then follow through with it. Um, but don't glamorize and say things that you cannot offer to your staff also to make um to realize that staff and especially for the front of the house not you know the back of the house are cooks and this is more of a career but the front of the house sometimes it's just you know kids putting themselves through school or artists you have to realize that everybody has another life the restaurant might be your life but it is not their life and when staff comes to you and asks um, for, I want to take a class, and I know I normally work on Wednesdays. Can you switch my schedule around? As an employer, make every effort to accommodate your staff because if you like them and they are good, you you want to retain them. So I was I was you know I was bummed when people would you know work less because I, I it was easier for me, but they ended up coming back and being better for it because they were like, thanks so much that I got to take that class or I got to do this or I was in that show, you know, and I was like, yeah, this is, you know, Anissa is not your life. (laughs) 
Exactly. And it's, it's so important that people realize that just because it's your passion, your life, um, not everyone's going to see it that way and you're not going to change it. So you have to just accept that fact that, uh, the only way to keep your people happy is to acknowledge that they have lives too. You couldn't have said it better. And, uh, what I also really liked about this piece of knowledge you gave us is that, uh, you really stress on how important it is and not just in business, but in your life to be honest and transparent with people. If you're a straight shooter and you give it to people the way it is, there's not going to be any curveballs. You're not going to upset anybody, and you're just going to have that much more respect. Yeah. So, and respect is huge. So great advice. Again, you're already first question, and you already blew up the room. So uh, these bombs are going to be awesome. I can't, I can't wait for the next one. What's your best resource? It could be a book, website, magazine, or a podcast uh, when you're in the, the industry that you use and that you would recommend to our listeners. For me, for um, inspiration, I just love cookbooks. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, I have hundreds of them, and I think that's my kind of inspiration because it's like you, you, you know, you get backstories from people, um, and I love reading about people's um, experience and how they came up with dishes. I mean, they're usually chef cookbooks, um, although I do, you know, still love some of the the old standards. but I think for me, that's probably the biggest source of um, cooking inspiration um, for me. But when it comes to the front of the house, I mean, that has a lot more to just do with, um, you know, my personality. So I, 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 I'm trying to think inspiring-wise. I don't know. People try to talk to me about, like... <laughs> well, it's so true, though, Jennifer. Either you have it or you don't. It's- uh, in, the, in the front of the house, it's, it's people, they don't take it seriously enough. Um, and y- either you have that emotional intelligence or you don't. And uh, I truly believe that emotional intelligence is way underplayed, uh, the significance of it in the hospitality industry. And you really have to find those people that have that emotional intelligence and can look and see and predict needs. And that's exactly what you did. You went out and you saw those people standing in the rain and you went out and you got soaked to find an umbrella just so they wouldn't get soaked. And uh, that's a form of social intelligence. And you definitely have it. And then um, you also mentioned uh, getting books that have the backstories, the cookbooks that have the backstories. And you're the first person I've had on the show that doesn't talk about the recipes. They actually talk about the backstories. And uh, those, those stories are so important. And that's why I ask the questions I ask to get the stories, to learn from the, the experiences and the, and the stories. And that's the oldest form of um, hit, like learning is history, his story. You get the stories, you record those stories, and that's how we pass on through generations. So thank you. Is there one book or, sorry, a cookbook that you would recommend that has the best backstories? Um. I am probably uh, oh, <laughs> I'm so I'm so um, impartial right now. I, ha- I I it's like or not impartial. I'm partial to um, my uh, Anita Lowe, my past business partner, um, did a cookbook and it came out I think three years ago called um, Cooking. Uh, oh my God, Cooking with Border. Cooking with, I was, I, with what? I um. I, if I'm so embarrassed, I'm like, why? Um, I draw blanks all the time. So. <laughs> no, 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 I'm like, okay. As I'm walking into the other room to see what, oh, cooking without borders. Cooking um, without borders. Cooking without borders, and um, it it a cookbook that um is based 
on, you know, a lot of the restaurant recipes um, at Anisha, but also um, just like home style things that she has made. And and um, I, I really love like the, her lead ins to the stories. And she, um, I don't know, for me, that was that was maybe because it was just so personal um, that I that I appreciate it. I mean, I love, you know, I love reading about, like, Julia Child, and, you know, I, I look at um, Thomas Keller and, you know, all, like, Farron Adria, and they're all pretty cool, but at least this, to me, is, you know, it's family, so um, it has a different emotional level. Oh, that's awesome. I'm definitely going to have to pick that one up. And if you are interested in this book, just check out the show notes. It's going to be episode 32. Uh, so thank you for sharing that. And uh, let's see here. The next question I have for you is what is the best trick of the trade or trend? Uh, you Well, I don't know if you're putting it to use because you're not working in a restaurant right now. <laughs> but um, if you're paying attention to trends, what's one thing that kind of has your attention that you, that you uh, would suggest we all pay attention to? I don't know if you, we should all pay attention to, but I love the small bites because I love to try so many different things mm-hmm. that um, it's, you know, it's not so much that I, you know, I, I wouldn't say like, um, I, I'm a little old school, you know, I'm French trained, so I, I'm, I'm very classical mm-hmm. in my sort of technique. Um, so the some of the newer stuff um, that's out there, it's interesting, but for me, it's, it, for me, in going to a restaurant, it's about having interesting flavors, great combinations, um, and and being able to try as much as you can. So that, <laughs> that's yeah, why definitely. I love the small bites. So I'm like, yay! I can you know have like uh, I mean you know ten different things and be like, okay, um, I I feel like I've I've I'm happy and I've learned something. You know, I think what it, what it is about the small bites is value. People feel like since they it's sometimes they they can't pick. They look at the menu and they have so many different things they want to try, but they can only really eat one of the things because of how big the the, um, the portions right. are. But when you offer a bunch of small portions at, at uh, very valuable rates, uh, they can try a little bit of everything. And that that the, the sense is that, that that dollar goes further, and that's uh, really right. cool. So, yeah, it's definitely something we should pay attention to to kind of create that sense of value in our restaurants. So that's great advice. Thank you. Um, the next question I have for you, Jennifer, is – there are so many products and services coming into the market every day, and it's so hard to filter through services that are worth our investment. Uh, so this is your time to provide a completely objective review uh, on a service. And I know this is going to be hard for you because uh, you've been out of the game for four years, um, but maybe you heard about something that, that caught your interest and that if you were in the industry still working uh, right. at a restaurant, you would be definitely looking at. Is there anything that kind of kind of comes to mind for you? Well, I mean, the funny thing, someone was just talking to me about um, uh, reservations to to take reservations or not for a, a particular restaurant, and um, we always took reservations because it was a small restaurant. But um, at at one point, I did the old school way of a paper book, and and um, Open Table came to uh, give me a pitch mm-hmm. of like why we should have Open Table. And they said, you know, the thing is, it'll tell you who your regulars are. And I'm like, I know that. And they said, then they said, well, you know, it'll tell you, if, it, obviously, the information you put into it, but it will tell you um, what, where they like to sit. And I'm like, I know that. And they said, it'll tell you what wine they like to have. And I'm like, I know that. <laughs> and they, they just kept going on and on. And I was like, I know that. I know that. And finally, the guy looks at me and goes, 
do you ever want to take a day off? <laughs> and I was like, oh, yes. <laughs> and That's I signed funny. up right then and there. <laughs> so I have to say, um, you know, there's there's cool kitchen gadgets. There's cool, all, you know, all, you know, there's a million different uh, POS systems out there, all of them. You know, some people hate, people love, but I can't say enough great things about Open Table. I just, I loved it. I thought it was really, um, in my time, I think it came out around like 2000, 2001. Um, it, it was a game changer mm-hmm. and it was and it, only for the better. Absolutely. And, um, it's kind of just goes into um, what I've been trying to kind of preach on the show is that you need to put systems into place. And nowadays there's so many services that allow you to further remove yourself from the restaurant. And um, I am first and foremost, I'm a huge fan and supporter of indie restaurants. I don't really like corporations that much. I feel like they're so detached and it's all about the money, but indie restaurants are really passionate about their trade, their skills and the people in their community. Um, but sometimes you just need a break. And in order to get that break, you need to have stone cold stern systems put in place that allow you to kind of step away so when you're not there there's no question how to do things and there's no um kind of like reason why somebody can't go and and look into the crm the customer resource management and to find out what kind of wine that person likes and to find out where they sit because it's all recorded and it just allows you to further remove yourself so that's a great uh, service that kind of goes into allowing you to kind of step back and Take a breather. And not only did it help me, like, if I went away, I mean, yes, I did have remote stuff. So I could literally, if I had a new person, like, booking the room, I'd say, well, let, let me redo the layout. And you can get another couple tables in there. And so I could do that. That's one thing. But also, it just helped me remember when somebody came last. Uh, and you might say they want a tasting menu. When was the last visit? They were here we would kind of be able to gauge what we had on the menu then. So, I mean, it, it was really instrumental for mm-hmm. for me as a tool being there as well. Awesome. Yeah, it's a great service. not the first time it's been mentioned. And uh, a lot of the time people, it gets a lot of bad reps because the charges that come with it. But those people that are complaining about the charges that come with OpenTable likely aren't using OpenTable for all the features that come with it. And they're just using it for right. reservation. So, uh, yeah, good yeah. stuff. So what's the best business advice for someone getting started in industry? Um, getting started, I mean, just kind of goes back to being um, not only willing, but understanding the long hours. Um, you know, it, it, it's definitely a 12-hour day. Um, and if you and, – and kind of being willing to be a little broke for a while. <laughs> <laughs> um, Basic general advice, um, don't drink while you work, don't smoke. Um, there's shift drinks and all that is great. It's at the end of the shift, but it makes for a really long day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I've worked with enough people and been doing this for over 20 years that it's like, wow, you have just ruined your day. Yeah, and you, <laughs> you know, you got to be on your, your toes and you got to be ready and willing yeah. to react at the last moment and uh when you your inhibitions are lowered like that it really what we're doing is being tentative to our right. employees or our, our, our guest needs and you can't be as tentative when you're not 100 percent there yeah so that's incredible i mean I, I just i know that there you know not everyone partakes but there are times when i'm just like i it's, it's unfortunate because we are serving 
um, alcohol that sometimes people feel that it's okay in a work environment. But you know what? That's it. You're at work. Mm-hmm. You know, I would, <laughs> it's like, I would argue at the end of the day, after the doors are closed, and you want to have that sense of camaraderie with your employees and kind oh, of yeah. reward them. We for, always gave out exactly, a shift drink. Exactly. Yeah, every good. night was a shift drink, but, but then the yeah, shift drink that comes was it. at the end of the night, not at the beginning <laughs> yeah. of the night. <laughs> yeah. So exactly. Okay, if there is one question I could have asked you that you believe would add value to our listeners, uh, what would that question have been? I don't know if it would have added value, but it, for um, just interest of finding a little bit more about how people um, uh, started, I was wondering um, at what age did you start cooking? Um, and that obviously is geared more towards chefs than as opposed to front of house people. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm curious to find out the repertoire of people's dishes, which I think is kind of funny when you're seven, like what your, your dish is. <laughs> so what age did you start cooking and what was your repertoire? Um, well, I started to cook because my mom hated to cook. So um, she, we went out to dinner a lot. And so I would, I would replicate um, stuff that I had out at restaurants. So my favorite restaurant was called Samurai. It was all for all intents and purposes. It was like a Benihana. Mm-hmm. So I would make fried rice and like sesame chicken. I would do, um, you know, that. Plus then um, we had Italian, so I would make fettuccine Alfredo. I would make all kinds of stuff. And, this, and then when fondue became all the rage, I was making fondue. I I remember asking my mom to pick up Chablis because that's when all white wine was called Chablis. Um, so I could make fondue. And, you know, I probably started cooking when I was about six or seven. Oh, that's so. awesome. Um, <laughs> can you remember the first meal you tried to replicate? Um, it probably was something from Samurai, uh, the stir fry. And I remember as the guys cooking in front of you, I'd ask him everything that he was putting in. <laughs> um, of course, he'd always be like, uh, you know, that's, that's a secret, secret <laughs> sauce. And I'm like, okay, well, this doesn't help me. <laughs> <laughs> How close so. did your dish come out to his dish? Um, it came out. I mean, I, <laughs> I liked it, but it definitely was not, like, the, the same. And I could not get that flambe shrimp thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> Who is one person you admire and respect and believe would be a great addition to the show? Um... I think I, you know, I, I've, I've worked well with, and I don't know if you've already interviewed him, uh, Jay McSherry. I have not, and I will add him to the list. Was- yeah, he, he. I met him. Um, I'm on the board of the Taste of the Nation, and I met him three years ago when I joined the board, and he had been on the board for years. But he has several restaurants up here, and he has a really uh, extensive um, background in restaurants, and he's. Definitely um, very knowledgeable. I think he just uh, won uh, Best Restaurant Tour of New Hampshire not too long ago, too. Very possible. Yeah. yeah. Jumping Jays, is that the gentleman we're talking yeah. about? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yep, he has. So, yeah, he's he would be a great contribution to the show, and I will be in touch with him. And uh, thank you for recommending him. Uh, the last question I have for you is more of an opportunity, but uh, give yourself a pitch and uh, maybe let us know what your future plans are and uh, how can we connect. Sure. So um, basically, I moved up here, started catering, and realized that was not my thing. Um, And I love restaurants, but I had done restaurants for 20 years. So I, uh, and I also, I had 
I had such an amazing restaurant in New York City that I kind of wanted to end on a really high note, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I felt like I did. Um, and so that's when I, my husband is an avid outdoorsman, and we started doing a lot of backpacking and and hiking and uh, a week out in the Adirondacks and a couple weeks out in Utah. And I realized that the food um, that was available, the freeze-dried stuff that's on the market, was really terrible. (laughs) And so I just started cooking kind of standard comfort-style foods, like um, I do a mushroom risotto or uh, smoked um, pulled pork chili and... uh, a couple other things, uh, Thai curry, and I would, I had a little tabletop dehydrator, so I'd dehydrate them. Um, and some things worked, some things didn't, I tweaked them, and so I started making those for us, and I started then going on trips with other people, and they were like, these are amazing, Jen, you should, you should make these. And I'm, and I said, uh, well, you know, I, I don't really have the facilities cut to, um, it just kind of, it, it really snowballed, and people, really wanted it and we realized that there's a market out there for all natural uh we call it dehydrated gourmet um meals and so um they are meals in a bag (laughs) you can get single servings or double servings but it's been really really fun and it's been really fun starting a whole new business um you know always around food because i love food but uh, it's a whole new world. It's definitely um, different from restaurants. But, you know, I, I have an understanding of cooking and large. Now I've never cooked at a scale. Like today I'm making uh, a batch of chili, which is for 400 in my 40-gallon steam kettle. Oh, wow. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> That's you funny. know, it, it's like if I, I had to call up Anita because she worked at a, in a hotel kitchen years ago. And I, I asked her, I was like, have you ever used a kettle? Tell me about kettle cooking. <laughs> They're awesome, and I have to say they are awesome. Awesome. Um, well, so, Jen, I, I want a good to-go meal. Where can I find one? Um, right now we're in about two dozen stores. We're in 10 EMSs uh, here in Portsmouth, um, Portland, Nashua. Um, we're also in two locations in New York City. Yay, and nod to my hometown. That's awesome. Um, we're in uh, Kittery Trading Post, Cadillac Mountain Sports, Outdoor, um, Gear Exchange in Burlington, Vermont. So we're kind of, we're, we're taking New England by storm. Can you ship these products to people on the West Coast or someplace else? Yeah, yeah. I'm right now, our website is to be live June 1st, and that's um, goodtogo.com, and there's a hyphen between the T-O and the T-O. Um, awesome. But until we're live, I'm selling um, on the square market. I don't know if you're familiar with that. The little square has a market, and there's a link to that on our landing page. So you can awesome. just go to um, uh, www.goodto-go.com and be able to um, link to that uh, that uh, oh, I'm sorry, square market um, to buy it. Guys, go give this girl some support. She's a, You can tell she's a warm, kind-hearted person, and I think that her products are probably going to be delicious, and you have to try them out. Go go give her some support. Go to or goodtogo.com. Yeah. Check it out. <laughs> <All right. laughs> thank you. No problem. Um, thank you so much. You were an incredible guest. I learned so much. Um, you dropped some incredible knowledge bombs, and they're going to make us all better, uh, and I can't wait to see what happens with your new venture. 
Thank you. That's great. I really appreciate you you even considering interviewing me. Well, you came at very high regard from Ben <laughs> Hasty, so I just had to connect with you. Um, and you were oh. awesome. I'm so happy that I chose to connect. Uh, you Thank did you. some great advice. So best of wishes and good luck. All right. Thank you so much. You're welcome. All right. And take care. Wow. What an incredible episode today. Uh, I think that Jennifer has a uh, career in storytelling if this good-to-go venture doesn't work out for her, which I'm sure it will. But, man, she could really tell some great stories. And um, some of the the lessons I took away from this was uh, you really just have to be willing to go that extra mile to really, to be successful in this industry. And the example she uses of just running out in the rain and getting soaked to, to grab an umbrella to keep her guests happy and warm and uh, dry. And that's just a perfect example. And then um, just the passion you could tell it was in her voice when uh, her, her baby, her restaurant burnt to, to the ground and she had nothing left. And um, the, just the ability of the, the biggest, one of the biggest lessons that the first time hearing this is the whole, if you if you think you're good with your insurance, it's it's never good enough. Don't be too stingy on in your insurance. You never know when you're going to need it, and when you do need it, you're going to be happy you had it. Um, and lastly, just uh, the support that she had from her uh, her staff, and it just goes to show if you if you treat your staff right and you're transparent and you you're empathetic with their needs, and you realize that your restaurant isn't their priority, and you're just um, honest about that and realistic about it and you treat them well, the good things are going to happen. Um, some of the biggest takeaways I had from this interview are right there, and uh, I don't need to say too much today. So uh, please don't forget to connect with me. I would love to hear what you guys think about the show. Let me know what I can do to make it better. I'm here for you. Don't forget that. Until next time, peace out.